Hey there, Ralph Garman here. Thanks so much for checking out this free edition of The Ralph Report. If you like what you hear, do me a favor. Subscribe to The Ralph Report so we can put some fun in your ears five days a week. And you can listen for as little as $3 a month. So subscribe today so you don't miss out on any of the fun. Go to patreon.com slash The Ralph Report and sign up. Welcome to The Ralph Report with Ralph Garman. Well, hello there, boys and girls, and happy Monday. All right, maybe there's nothing happy about it. Monday is the day where you got to go back to school or work. Usually most of us are doing stuff we don't want to do. But the upside is there's a brand new Ralph Report for your audio enjoyment. Thank you so much for joining us today. I, of course, am your old podcast pal, Ralph Garman. And sitting here in the Batcave with me once again is the first lady of the Ralph Report, the lovely, the talented Carrie is here. Good day, everyone. Thanks so much for sitting in once again. Absolutely. Carrie sitting in, of course, for the vice host, Mr. Eddie Pence, because he is still on vacation with his family and will be so throughout the remainder of this week as we get towards the 4th of July holiday weekend. Yes, I'm ever so worried about that family because I keep seeing little snippets of the Pences on their trip. And um, the last one I saw, his son had his head inside of a cannon. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Some people took Eddie to task for on his parenting skills saying, you can't let your child stick his head in the the business end of a cannon. (laughs) To which Eddie responded, well, you know, it was a, a museum piece. We didn't really think it was low or anything. No real danger there. People are insane. Uh, Speaking of Eddie's trip, he did send us a little uh, video of spending some time down south and the culture shock therein. So uh, we'll be putting that up on Patreon later today for you two, three, and four-star generals. Oh, well, that's exciting. A little bonus video content for you, courtesy of the vice host. Good show for you guys today. The guest today, a woman named Kat Cressida. This is a alternately horrifying and yet ultimately inspiring story of an amazingly talented lady. Kat Cressida is known to many of you already, especially if you're maybe a Disney fan, if you're like the the Disney parks. She is the voice of the Black Widow Bride, which was the first only character added to the Haunted Mansion ride in Disneyland and Disney World since the creation of those rides. Correct. She's the new uh, character. And one of your favorites. Yeah, it's one of my favorite rides. And she's also, of course, uh, Dee Dee from Dexter's Laboratory, very talented voiceover actress. And we talked to her today about the illness that not only almost robbed her of her career, but robbed her of her life. Yes. Almost robbed her of her life. And then on the other side of that, the the nightmare that was the recovery and dealing with doctors and insurance companies and stuff that everyone should know just in case you ever have to deal with a catastrophic illness, how hard it can be to navigate those waters right. after the fact. And also, after you're done listening to that interview, any part of the day that you're having that feels bad or depressing will suddenly seem like nothing. Ain't that the truth? So that'll make your Monday better. A little perspective when you totally. hear somebody who's had real problems versus whatever it is you may be going through. Right. Um, all that and the usual nonsense as well. But before we go anywhere, the first thing we like to do here on The Ralph Report is reach out to you guys, the Garmy. We love it to hear we love to hear from you, whether it's a uh, an email or on social media. Uh, so let's kick things off with an email. We don't do this much anymore. We used to do a lot of email stuff, but most people leave the voicemails. However, this one is for the first lady, and so I thought it'd be appropriate. It's time to open up that Garmy letter bag. Don't need no tickets for an aeroplane to find out what's on my listeners' brains. Time to say hello to the folks at home. The Garmy wrote me some letters. This one comes from Kathy Ramirez, and it is addressed to Carrie. Carrie, hi, how are you? She says, the other day you mentioned you used a little weed to help you sleep. She said, I have dabbled in both CBD and THC stuff for sleep, and I can't find one that works. Would you mind sharing the one that works for you? Thanks so much. Love you. Mean it by Kathy Ramirez. So Kathy, like you, has a hard time sometimes letting the day go and relaxing and falling to sleep easily and you've been using pot as sort of a medicinal sleep aid for some time now right well first of all let me tell you how much i enjoy talking about drugs oh i love to talk about maybe we'll have a new segment pot talk with carrie oh no not just pot oh everything i like talking about all drugs all right carrie is a big believer in pharmaceuticals uh yeah well so it for me 
you know, sleeping uh, trouble started when we lost our son. Yeah. And it just kept right on going. It's um, you know, your body gets into a rhythm that it can't get out of. And sometimes you have to kind of trick it or give it a signal to know when it's time to sleep. Yes. So I wanted off of I was I could not sleep without sleeping pills. I literally was beholden to sleeping pills and I think they're addictive mm-hmm. and I wanted off of that. So I decided to go, this is before pot was legalized in the state of California. I decided to go to a doctor and get a prescription for it. And I did try CBD oil first. It did not work for me either, Kathy. Mm. So I then um, decided to graduate to a vape pen. Right. And if you go into um, a medicinal marijuana store and tell them what you're looking for, they will make a recommendation. And I, I think I've purchased the same sort of oil from three different, you know, Outlets. Outlets. And it's all the same. It all works great. Okay. And so you tell them that you want one for sleep and maybe tell them that you don't. It depends on how sensitive you are. I'm I'm pretty sensitive. So if you give me really strong marijuana, it just, you know, knocks me on my bum, which I don't need. I just need to fall asleep. Right. You don't want to get whacked. You just want to doze off. And then I also have another one for um, pain for when I get um, like my monthlies and I get cramps. <laughs> I have one for that, which also works great. And also some topicals work really good for sore muscles and things. But I have to tell you that CBD, I think is good for the random feeling of panic here and there. Like if you have high level anxiety, right. it for me does not work for sleep. Okay. So I'm, I would upgrade to an oil um, and- You recommend vaping. I recommend vaping, although if you want to inhale, you know, do that too. I just, right. for me, um, I'm lazy and I like to vape in bed before I fall asleep, which I can do, but right. I'm not allowed to light up a huge doobie while I'm lying in bed and make the whole house smell like pot. No. Somebody want, that I live with doesn't like that. You don't want to smell like Kevin Smith's house. Right. Yeah. So. Um, so you don't know exactly what um, kind you're, you're vaping there? You, you got just a recommendation from the, uh, the from the pharmacy? I mean, there's, the, there's, the very, there's very popular strains out there, you right. know. Um, so j- no, you don't so, need to walk in and ask for a strain. You need to walk in and say, I need something present for your sleep. situation. Yeah. Okay. Not too strong. And they'll give it to so you. So there you go, Kathy. The recommendation is go to your local dispensary. I'm assuming Kathy is writing from Southern California. Um, but if you're not go to a place that does sell it legally, I mean, slowly, but surely we're creeping the way across the country where this ridiculous prohibition against marijuana is starting to be right. lifted. Although all of our, you know, listeners from different parts of the world, they're still stuck. I know. It's crazy. Poor people in Britain can't get their hands on anything. So find yourself a dispensary, go in there, ask the people behind the counter who usually are very well-versed they're in also the different very strains. stoned all the time yeah but they're even more eager to talk about pot than carrie is and they will absolutely hook you up on something and uh try it kathy and let us know how it works for you because we'd love to know yeah if it's a success story or not but thanks for writing in carrie appreciates the email you can always reach us here at the ralph report at ralph at the ralph report.com you can write steve or eddie at their names and then at the ralph report.com as well and uh, if you have anything for carrie just send it on in to me at Ralph at the Ralph Report.com, and I will pass it along to her. And she reads most of them anyway because she's in there for business reasons all the time. That's right. Another way you can reach us, of course, is by leaving a voicemail 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The voicemail is available to you to leave us a message if you care to. It's very simple. You just got to call the Ralph Report hotline. That phone number is one 833 Hi, Ralph. Love to <laughs> hear from you guys. I listen to each and every one of those messages, and then I grab a handful of them that I particularly like, and then we slap them here in the front of the show in a segment called Garmy on the Line. The telephone is ringing. Surprisingly, lots of phone calls left on the Ralph Report hotline for the First Lady as well. When Carrie comes on the show, people get turned on in a big, bad way. They love hearing from her. They love having her participate on the show. So we have a lot of phone calls Oh, my Carrie. gosh. My head's going to explode. Speaking of being turned on, Tim from Australia called in about Carrie's bell. You know, she's got a bell here on the uh, console. 
that when she finds a man or woman particularly attractive, she gives them the bell to signify their sexual allure. Their hotness. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Tim called in with a comment about the bell. Hi, Ralph and Kerry. It's uh, Tim from uh, Adelaide, South Australia, four-star general here. Just wanted to say to Kerry, uh, Kerry, you can ring my bell anytime. <laughs> wow. Yeah. LMB. I, that's a, that's a creepy growl you got there, Tim. But I, but you know what? He sounds so. Uh, you can't ever send me to Australia. I think I might go crazy with those with accents. The yes, it's kind of like how you are with British women. Uh, a, In front a of a British, British woman, you accent. just start drooling. It's just so powerful. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, I feel like that way about you, Tim. You know what? I'm giving Tim a bell. Oh, Tim, you've earned a bell. Congratulations. There you go, sir. babe. Also, the magic of the audio medium, by the way, which is someone's <laughs> voice can earn them a bell. And who knows what Tim looks like in real life, but just the, the mental picture, the theater of the mind, as we call oh, it. Oh, I is, love that. You know what we should tool. do? We should We should have a contest. We should take... I don't know where this is coming from. I don't either. I don't know we where should, it's going. We, it, <laughs> it it's not. Me. It's not going to a good place. But I, I, we should take pictures of each of your bums, you, Steve, and Eddie, and then everybody <laughs> do a survey and see if they can guess whose is whose. I have no desire to put a picture of my ass out there into the world. I don't know why, but we. I feel that we need to. Are do you it. stoned now? As a matter of fact, Maybe is that what's going on? Maybe a little. Another Australian called in once again for Carrie, once again about her bell. Last week we were talking about Tom Holland, who's the brand new Spider-Man. He got a bell. Uh, Toby Maguire, old school Spider-Man. Uh, Carrie, no bell. Carrie didn't see that for him. Here's Brent's call. Ralph, Carrie, Brent from Melbourne. Um, Carrie, you very openly said for the first time you didn't want to give a bell to Toby Maguire. Does that mean that he has got the first Nobel Prize? <laughs> yeah, all right. Hey oh, I did tell you, though, that I need a sound effect for non-bells. When I have a strong yes. sort of feeling about someone who is not attractive, I need a non-bell. Okay. Yeah, I'll or tell like you what... a buzzer or I need something. So you want, you want that for someone who's yes. unattractive? How about that for someone who's attractive? Well, I have my bell. I got a few sound effects on here we could use. That's the bell. First of all, I need everybody to know that Ralph... (laughs) It's not fair that you have access to all the buttons and I get... Eddie and I and Steve, we, we get no fun. Listen, lady and Eddie and Steve... There can only be one driver of the bus, okay? In order for the bus to get where it's going, there's got to be one guy behind the yeah, wheel. Just, so not, you don't give a, a steering wheel to everybody that's in the passenger seat. Oh, let's all just drive in different you know directions. What? Get off the high horse. Now, it's not a high horse. It's just a fact of life. You need no, one guy. One guy has to drive the bus. I can handle a bell and a buzzer. You got a bell already, all right? What do you want now, a buzzer? Give I'll make me, it happen, whatever you, know you need. What? You know, I'll tell you what. Don't give me anything. I'm going to go find one on my own. No, you should get one of those clown horns. You should get one of those things. For I'm going to, don't you worry. You have this highly automated panel of things. I have a, just a I sound literally board. have yeah. a bell. And yes. so I'm going to go get myself a non, I'm going to go find it. Don't All right. worry. Whatever you need. You guys won't believe how many nons I'm going to do too. Whatever I have you... very eclectic tastes. Oh, we know. And very strong opinions. And here's the thing. It's all been uh, lollipops and rainbows for you today with everybody pouring their love all over you because you sit there in the second chair. I'll have you know, when you take the responsibility of sitting in that second chair, it's not all laurels and rose petals, okay? Well, it is for me. When you, when you have a strong opinion, you will get people who disagree <laughs> with you and you will have some people whose feathers have been ruffled yeah. who come at you a little bit. And I got a couple of those phone calls too. Uh-oh. This is from Lewis. Lewis is calling from the UK. Last week, Carrie mentioned how she doesn't like dog shows, how she's nope. anti-dog show. That's true. Well, now you're in for it. Here's Lewis. Hi, Ralph. Lewis from the UK. Um, I have some beef, as they would say, with you and Mrs. G. Um, as somebody that shows dogs with my wife, I just wanted to clarify, it's not abuse. Our dogs certainly love it. As far as they know, they just prance around the ring for half an hour and they get loads of treats at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we absolutely adore our dogs. Um, you know, they sleep on the bed with us. They're treated like children, basically. Um, and for the most part, every show person we meet just loves their dogs. So just didn't want you thinking that we 
mistreat uh, adults in the showing world because we, we we absolutely love them to bits. There are people that we've met that keep doing kennels and you know we we don't like those times but for the most part we would never do anything that the dogs we could clearly see didn't want to do so yeah just show people all right lmb there you go nothing but love from the owners for their dogs in the dog show world well he was very clear to state that it's not everybody that there are some people he seems to know that world and he said most of them love their dogs very much treat them as pets and the dogs seem to have a good time as well that part i agree with and also the other good thing i think is that the dogs that participate in the dog shows seem to have a high level of confidence Unlike our dog, who when we let him go out front, when we check the mailbox, wraps his tail between his legs and then vomits. He acts like the world is filled with lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. Even our own properties. Terrifying to him. So such a weenie. Anyway, okay, well, that was too bad. I'm still standing. All right, how about this one then? Travis called in. He also has a bone to pick with you. Jesus Christ. Hey, Ralph. Guilty pleasure, Travis. Four-star general from Arizona. I am enjoying having the first lady carry on the Ralph report these last few days, but she really ruffled my feathers Mm -hmm. on Friday. Uh Uh-oh. Carrie Garman, I'm sorry. Weird Al Yankovic has more talent than Sammy Hagar, okay? I got that on my system. Okay. Love you. Mean it. Bye. Oh, fighting words. Well, let me tell you that I love you because you're a four-star general. I love the four-star generals so much. Yes, because they keep the lights on. They keep the lights on. And I am, you know, I I spend a lot of time working with and interacting yeah. with the four-star generals. Having said that, you can suck my left nipple. <laughs> Because Weird Al Yankovic is not more talented than Sammy Hagar. Yeah. First of all, it's Yankovic because you're going to get you're going to get blowback for that. But second of all, there's a lot of Weird Al fans out there. Yankovic. And you were uh, you were you were speaking ill of Weird Al. So we got a lot of that. I don't like him. I can tell. We can all tell. This one came from I'm assuming it's Jesus, although he says he's Jesus on the phone. And if it is Jesus, indeed. I am super proud that Jesus listens to this show. Me too. But he has some questions about a certain event that's coming up this month. Hi, Ralph. Uh, Jesus here from Delray, California. And um, I'm one of the lucky few bastards who's got the opportunity to go to Comic-Con this year for five days. And I wanted to get an update to see if you actually plan to be out there at Comic-Con this year, whether it be... doing a panel or maybe possibly the Ralph report, hopefully, or even uh, you and Kevin Smith, hopefully, for Babylon. So, yeah, uh, can we get an update, see if uh, you plan to be out there? Because I'll be out there and I will do what I can to be out there to see you guys. LMB. Thank you so much for asking, Jesus slash Jesus. I can't believe Jesus lives in Del Rey. I, I had no idea. An odd choice. Yeah. Not quite Jerusalem. Not Del quite. Rey. Um, here's what happened with Comic-Con this year. I had resigned myself to the fact that I would not be attending Comic-Con this year because I only go to Comic-Con, well, when I can get tickets. And the only reason I could ever get tickets before is because usually I was working down there. Uh, I did, I've done a ton of moderating panels over the years and they are kind enough to invite me down to the, to do the, uh, the panel, but I also get tickets for the event and sometimes I'd go to the parties and stuff. It's always, it was always a blast. This is the first year where I wasn't asked to participate. Now, usually I also go down to do a show with Kevin Smith. We do a Hollywood Babylon down there each year. This year also due to contractual obligations on Smith's part, he was not allowed to do a Hollywood Babylon show within 90 miles of the Comic-Con because he was doing another gig. So I had no job and I had no Babylon. So I had really no reason and no way to go down there to go to the to the Comic-Con. So I'd resigned myself that it wasn't going to happen. Well, of course, life being the way it is, just when you think you know what's going to happen, something else comes your way. And I'm not allowed to talk about it yet, but someone did reach out and ask me to participate in an event down there at Comic-Con this year. So it turns out, last minute, I will be attending Comic-Con this year. I'll be down there Wednesday and Thursday and uh, probably some of Friday day as well. So as for what's going to happen, I don't know how it how it yeah. involves the Garmin. Here's an interesting idea, though. It turns out Eddie Pence is going to be down there that weekend doing stand-up. So I haven't talked to Eddie because this all happened after he left on vacation. But perhaps there's a way we can cobble together either a meetup 
or if we can find a venue, maybe do a live Ralph report. I don't know, but I will be, be like down a, there. It would be like a smaller version of the live show because I will be actually in England right. and so will Steve Ashton. Right. So it wouldn't be the full crew. It would just be uh, Pence and myself if we were to do a show. I'm assuming most of the venues are already booked up because there's a lot of stand-up comedians who are down there for panels and things like that, and they like to book a gig when they're in town. So likelihood of doing a show, not so high. However, we could maybe, Pence and I could maybe do a meet and greet at one of the hotels locally mm -hmm. or something. And so. if you'd like, I can look into seeing if there are any open um, spots at some of the smaller venues. We well, haven't we haven't looked at that no, yet. No, we haven't, but I haven't talked to Eddie yet. Um, Eddie yet either to see what True. his gig is and what his first. schedule is. So I thought I would talk to him first before I started moving forward. Because if he's working every night, then yeah, you're done. no point. So anyway, to answer your question, I don't have any specifics for you, but it looks like I will be down there and we'll try to uh, organize something so that whatever Garmy members are interested, we can all get together and have yeah. a cocktail and uh, take At a least a drink. Too. You yeah. should, yeah, have a drink with we'll everybody. See. We'll see what happens. And lastly, Dan called in. I think we've got a new segment. I love it when these uh, recurring segments sort of grow organically out of something that comes up on the show. And it happened last week with Carrie and I. We were talking about the Beatles having recorded a couple singles in German. And then we talked about the Monkees releasing their single in Italian. And it started to be about artists who have performed, recorded in other languages. And this may be a thing. Anyway, Dan called in with this call. Hey, Ralph and Carrie. It is Dan in Atlanta. Um, on Friday's show, you played the Monkees in Italian and the Beatles in German. Um, were you aware that Monty Python did two episodes of The Flying Circus uh, for German television in German? Uh, Monty Python's Fliegende Circus. Uh, <laughs> they redid some of the old sketches and uh, did a couple of new sketches, one of which makes me laugh out loud every single time. Uh, I don't know if we've birthed a new segment here about weird translations of stuff, but uh, there you go. Love you, Mike. Dan, I had no idea that Monty Python had done two episodes of television in German for German audiences, but I looked it up, and they did. They recorded two full episodes of comedy, and that's how smart the Python guys are. They performed comedy in a foreign language, which right. is incredibly difficult, but they're bright guys. And they did a lot of their famous uh, sketches translated into German, including one of my favorites, which is the lumberjack sketch, where Michael Palin says he, what he really wants to be is a lumberjack, and he goes into the classic lumberjack song, which starts off very macho about, I cut down trees, I eat my lunch, and it goes, I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. And then by the end of the song, he talks about how he likes to put on uh, women's clothing and hang around in bars <laughs> and, and go out for tea and stuff. It's very funny. And now, hearing it translated into German takes on a whole new level of comedy. Here's Monty Python's The Lumberjack Song, in German. Ich bin ein Holzfäller und fühl mich stark. Ich schlaf des Nachts und hab am Tag. Hier ist ein Holzfäller und fühl sich stark. Hier schläft des Nachts und hab am Tag. <laughs> so that's a beautiful language, isn't it? Uh, so yeah, I think we have a new segment. We can yeah. do translated bits of famous pop culture into other languages. I think that would be really fun. Thanks to everybody who called in. You too can be featured on Garmy on the Line, but you got to take that first step. You got to call me. Call me. And now, as we do every Monday now, we take a look at the big calendar that hangs here on the Batcave wall, and we find out what holidays are associated with this day of the year. Every day, 600, 365 days out of the year, there are holidays associated with them. Uh, on Mondays, we take a look at the date. It's July 1st, by the way. It's already July. I can't, what happened to June? This year is just whizzing by. It just went by. swoosh. Uh, Monday, July 1st, this are the holidays associated with it. We'll let you know whether we agree with them or not in a segment called Holiday or Holiday. Holiday or Holiday, please tell me what we celebrate, Ralph Garman. Today is National Postal Worker Day. Postal workers get a bad rap because some of, them, some of them go crazy and shoot stuff up. But you really haven't heard about that in a while. No, it, not for a while. We've heard about people going into post offices and shooting things up, but they're not necessarily the postal workers themselves. Yeah, but going postal was a thing for a while. Remember yes. that? that was it was a thing for a while. And I will go, I will say this. I do not like our postman. 
He's not the, the the nicest fellow. He's not the friendliest. And, you know, at one point I decided I didn't want to have a big mailbox out on our curb. Yeah. So I had our gardener take it all out yes. and take it down. And then I put a smaller, more attractive copper plated mailbox mm-hmm. on the wall by our front door. Yes. You would have thought that I had murdered somebody. He didn't like it. No. I did it without a permit. Yeah. And he was screaming at me because I didn't have a permit and it, I didn't appreciate it. And now the mailbox clearly is too small for him. So yeah. he gets upset if he can't get magazines in it and he just throws everything on the ground. Yeah, which is fine with me. I just pick it up. But he's he's grumpy. Yeah. However, postal workers have a hard gig when you think about it. The average postal worker walks four to eight miles a day carrying a full load of letters and packages. Yeah, that's good. It, it, it's healthy. A lot. It's a lot of work, though, when you think about it. And they had to go through any kind of temperature, any kind of weather, extreme heat and cold, rain, blizzards. I mean, you don't get that too much in Southern California, but around the rest yeah, of the but country. You can, I mean, he's out there in 112 degree heat this week. Yeah, it's know? a tough gig. It's a tough gig. So on this day, we salute the numerous men and women who work consistently and diligently to deliver all of our mail. Carrie agrees. Uh, not coincidentally, today is also National U.S. Postage Stamp Day because oh. it was on this day... July 1st in 1847, the first postage stamp was released. And how much did a postage stamp cost? It doesn't say here, but I can't imagine it was very much. But did you know when they started issuing stamps initially, they weren't required to mail something. You could still put something in the mail, but then the person at the other end who was receiving would have to pay the postman the mm-hmm. postage that it cost to deliver that. Mm-hmm. So the, the, it usually fell on the receiver more so than the sender to actually pay for the postage. Well, that's not okay. In 1847, you didn't need a uh, stamp, but by 1855, the postage stamp became mandatory. You couldn't mail anything okay. without it. And also, uh, they decided in uh, 1913 that you could no longer uh, mail children <laughs> in the mail. <laughs> what? How... What? Because James Beagle, who was uh, just under the weight limit of 11 pounds in 1913 for a package, was mailed at the cost of 15 cents to his grandmother, who lived just a few miles away. And then the postmaster general decided uh, to pass a, a, a strict regulation saying you could no longer right. uh, mail babies. So she was a creative thinker and basically got him a free ride for to 15 grandma's house to for grandma's 15 house cents. for 15 cents. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Still can't see the logic behind that, but what do I know? So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Post, uh, we like stamps. Stamps are good, right? Yeah, right. stamps are good. Uh, it's also National Creative Ice Cream Flavors Day. I, I, what? Fuck that. Let me tell you something. No, I, let me tell you something. No, let me tell you something. I think I would literally rather lick a stamp than lick ice cream. Well, I know you're not an ice cream fan. So no. really, you, you you can't participate I'm in this conversation. I'm not going to. I'm not going to participate. But I am not a fan of this new fancy thing now where we have to have creative flavors of ice cream, exotic flavors of ice cream. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with the flavors of ice cream that we've had for hundreds of years. They work just fine. There's a new ice cream shop at the corner of Ventura Boulevard and Laurel Canyon. I can't remember what it's called. Anyway, they have all sorts of crazy flavors. So crazy that I took Olivia in there and she took one look at the menu and said, Hard pass. Yeah, because it's garbage. Yeah. Here's a Lavender. List. Here's a list. Yeah. Mashed potato ice cream. No. Beer ice cream. Olive oil ice cream. Yes, that's bu- good. Buffalo wing ice cream. Goat no. cheese ice cream. Jalapeno ice cream. Candied bacon ice cream. There's no need for any of this bullshit, okay? There's nothing wrong with chocolate and vanilla and, and pecan and pistachio and all these flavors we've been eating for hundreds of years Pecan-y. are just great. Listen, No one is- ever tastes the buffalo wing ice cream and goes, you know what? I'm all in. This is my new favorite flavor of ice cream. I need to eat this all the time. There is one good reason to have all of these crazy flavors. What's that? So that we can make Eddie try them. <laughs> That's true. We should get and some insane ice cream And we are going to. It, I have now put it on the list of potentials. Fair enough. In his absence, we will volunteer him to try jalapeno ice cream. God yes. damn, it makes me nuts. So... That's it for Creative Ice Cream Flavors Day. And it's also National Ginger Snap Day. Nope. G- ginger. Oh, ginger snap cookies. <gasps> so good. Yeah, I- Made from molasses, cloves, ginger, cinnamon, brown sugar. Oh, it's the healthiest cookie there is, you know. Why, would, why do you say that? There. Because all the things that are in there are good for you. First of all, it usually has less sugar and lower calories than any other cookie because they use molasses 
and brown sugar as opposed to refined sugar. But the ginger, the cinnamon, the cloves are all anti-inflammatories. Uh, they lower uh, the glucose in your bloodstream. Ginger helps digestion. Clove actually helps prevent oral diseases and headaches. Lots of good stuff in those cookies. Okay. All right. And in Philadelphia, it's a huge tradition around Halloween time. There's two bakeries that have been battling this out for 100 years in Philadelphia. At Halloween, they release their limited edition. They call them spiced wafers, but they're basically basically ginger snaps. And mm-hmm. I always think of my father when I think of ginger snaps. He would just sit down in front of the evening news with the box open and a cup, oh, a cup of tea and just go nuts. Go nuts It was with a those. yearly event at our house. So absolutely. Huh. I'm all about the ginger snap. All right. All right. There we go. That's it for today's holiday or holiday. Now it's time to take a look at all the entertainment news with a segment I call the Showbiz Beat. On Mondays, we like to take a look at all the box office numbers to see what people went to see in theaters over the weekend. Let me guess. Okay. You want to know what's number one at the box office? It's got to be that horror flick. You know what? We talked about that last week, and I thought that was going to be number one, but I forgot about the juggernaut that came out the week before. That if I thought about it, probably would still be at the top of the uh, charts, and it still is. Okay. Toy Story 4. All right. Still number one at the box office. In its uh, second week, it made... $57.9 $57.9 additional million dollars. Sweet Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Yeah. That's a lot of money. It is indeed. Uh, Annabelle Comes Home, as we mentioned, was number two with $20.3 million, which for a low-budget horror film like that is still a pretty good That's opening money. weekend. That's money, yep. Yeah. Yesterday, the Beatles movie came in at number three with $17 million. Aladdin was uh, $9.3 million richer this weekend. That made it number four. The Secret Life of Pets 2 came in at number five. Then Men in Black International Avengers Endgame and its re-release Child's Play, Rocket Man, and John Wick Chapter 3 came in at number 10 this weekend. Okay, lots of wholesome family movies in the top 10. Indeed. Speaking of wholesome families, how about this Mama June and Honey Boo Boo situation, huh? Isn't this something else? You know, I I do not know the latest, so you're going to have to tell us what has happened. Well, people concerned for Honey Boo Boo's welfare have stepped in and they have Just take, now? Well, they've taken legal action. They've t- She's already out of the house. She's now living with her sister, Pumpkin. Yep. <sighs> These names. It's like fucking hee-haw with this family. I know. Uh, but now lawyers have stepped in and they are moving Honey Boo Boo's money out of the account so Mama June can't have any access to it. Okay. Because Mama June now and her new boyfriend are smoking crack cocaine and (gasps) spending every other day at the casinos playing slots. Oh, boy. And so they don't want her dipping into Honey Boo Boo's money, Mm -hmm. and then the kid ends up uh, broke after being a freak show on television for all those years and have nothing to show for it. Right. So she is living with her sister right now, Pumpkin. Oh, dear. And they're trying to make sure the money is safeguarded, and so Pumpkin will have access to Honey Boo Boo's money so that she can provide her with uh, the bear essentials and then mama that, that's june is probably not gonna go well either well no apparently the the 19 year old is pretty responsible is she? yeah okay. she's the one in the family who she's knows 19 what she's doing. how many kids does she have already i think just two okay all right so she's spacing it out you know moving slowly yeah mama june uh you know she and her boyfriend gino were busted in alabama for crack cocaine possession and she has seen the casinos all all the time and I don't, who could have seen this coming with this family, though? Who would think if you gave them a bunch of money and fame... And their own show. And their own show, that they would go off the rails. Show. That they would go off the rails and be <laughs> irresponsible hillbilly redneck pig fuckers and, and not <laughs> be responsible with their money and their children. I'm shocked, for one. No one could see this coming. No one. Except everyone. Oh. That's the only people. God damn it. Thank you, E. Yeah, right. Nice work. Uh, this is great. Stars now are lining up to fight Justin Bieber, which I think is great. Oh, who do we have? Well, you know, Bieber famously called out Tom Cruise to yes. get to the octagon and to fight some crickets, MMA right? style. Well, Dana White, the head of the UFC, says he has heard from people in both camps and there is actually interest in this fight. Okay. Doesn't mean it's any closer to actually happening, but apparently conversations are being had. Okay. But other stars are saying, if it doesn't happen, please consider me. And one of those is Steve-O. Yes. Of course, legendarily from uh, the uh, the Johnny Knoxville show. Right. Jackass. And he said right. that he wants to fight Justin Bieber. 
So stars now are just volunteering. He said that he was actually quite upset that he wasn't considered initially, although Bieber, you know, didn't call him out. He went to Dana White and he said, if it doesn't happen, please consider me to get into the ring with Justin Bieber. He said, look, Tom Cruise is 56, I'm 45, so I'm still older than Bieber. It would be similar, but he would like to get into the ring and take a shot at Bieber. And I say, yes. He would yes, be entertaining please. to watch. Absolutely. And he said, there's no way Bieber could knock him out because he's taken a beating his whole life throughout his entire career. He's been blown up and thrown off of things yep, and thrown into things. He just keeps getting right back up. He knows how to take a beating, that's for sure. This is a fascinating story I had no idea. Kevin Costner did an interview last week where he said there had been talks about doing a Bodyguard 2. Of course, Bodyguard was a hugely successful movie with Costner and Whitney Houston. Yes. She played a singer and he was, as you can imagine by the title, her bodyguard. Yep. And the studio was very interested in doing a sequel and they decided to have the uh, client, instead of being a, you know, entertainment personality like Whitney Houston, they thought it'd be, it'd be interesting if she had been a royal and... Wait, what? A royal? A royal. And he would be a bodyguard for a royal either visiting the United States or something okay. like that. That would be the storyline. Okay. And he said that he was in conversations with Princess Diana before her death about co-starring with him in Bodyguard 2. What? Right? Who knew? He said the conversations were facilitated by Sarah Ferguson, the former Duchess of York, who had... Right, the uh, story is now losing credibility. Who had a relationship, not relationship, but she, she knew Costner a little bit. And so he was able to go through Sarah to get contact to Princess Diana. And mm -hmm. he said he had conversations with Diana on the phone about the possibility of them working together, and he said she was absolutely interested. Huh. I always respect Sarah because she was the one that set up the conversation with me and Diana, he said. And he said she was incredibly sweet on the phone, and she asked a lot of questions about the script, like, are we going to have, like, a kissing scene, she said in a very nervous way. And I said, yeah, there's going to be a little bit of that, but we can make that okay. And so the, apparently, I mean, I, I don't know how close they got to entertaining the idea of actually shooting this film, but there were conversations had, and then shortly thereafter, of course, she died in that horrific, that, that horrible accident. So. Yeah. But I thought, who can you imagine the international success of that film had Princess Diana starred in a movie? It would have just been. It would have been huge at the huge. time. She was the most beloved. Yes. Uh, uh, public figure in the world at yes. that time. Crazy. Maybe we can ask Meghan Markle. She wants to do it. <laughs> she wants to do Bodyguard too. Yeah. <laughs> Let's take a look at today's celebrity birthdays. All these stars born on this day, July 1st. Singer Evelyn Champagne King, one of the uh, legendary divas of the disco era. So many hits, late 70s, early 80s. She's 59 years old today. Here's my favorite. Just makes you want to drink champagne and do cocaine. Yeah, it does make me happy. Studio that song. 54, right there. Actress Olivia de Havilland, one of the legendary uh, leading ladies of the screen for as far back as the 30s and 40s. I always remember her as Maid Marian in the Errol Flynn movie, The Adventures of Robin Hood, one of my favorite movies when I was a kid. She is 103 <gasps> years old today. Wow. How crazy is that? That's amazing. I hope. Actor Jamie, yeah, right. I hope, I hope, I hope it's a healthy 103. She's having an amazing time. Actor Jamie Farr, who of course was Klinger on MASH. He's 85 years old. Actor David Prowse, who was the body underneath the costume of Darth Vader in all those Star Wars films. He's 84 years old today. 84. Yeah. He's a, he's a former bodybuilder too, so he's still pretty yes. in pretty great shape. Pretty solid guy. Singer Victor Willis is 68 years old today. He is best known as the founding member of the disco group, The Village People. Oh yeah. Victor actually was the voice of The Village People. They released two singles and the singles became so popular they had to build a band around him so they could go and tour. Interesting. And so they put an ad in the paper and said, we need macho men, must have mustache, must be <laughs> able to sing and move. 
And that's when they got the rest of the guys who fleshed out the uh, the village people. They got the Indian and the construction yeah, worker. That, the, those costumes would not be okay these days. He was either a policeman or right? a naval officer when they were doing it. Yeah, I mean, they were very stereotypical yeah. gay. Funny thing is, <laughs> Victor Willis, not gay. Straight musician, just a songwriter, and they built this gay, iconic band around, around him. Around him, yeah. Which is crazy. Anyway, he is uh, 68. That's interesting to think about. Hmm. He was married to uh, Felicia Rashad, who was uh, Bill Cosby's wife on The yeah, Cosby Show. Yeah, I remember Show. her. They She's were married still, for a yeah. long time, and now he's uh, got a second wife as well. Okay. But he is 68 years old. So many choices when it comes to what Village People song you want to play. Of course, YMCA, I guess, is the obvious choice. Yeah, I hope you didn't pick that one. I didn't. I, oh, I wanted to win for a deeper cut. I was okay, thinking good. about In the Navy, which I always enjoy. Nah. But this one, this will get you pumped up. This will get you working out in the gym when All you right. hear this in your earbuds. Let's hey! go. Hey! Hey! Macho woman. Sure. Come on. Sure? Question mark? No. I should post a picture of me deadlifting. You do rock the weights. You so do move some that iron. Everybody can see that women can be macho too. Actor Dan Aykroyd is 67 years old today. Legendary member of SNL and the Blues Brothers. Actor Alan Ruck from Ferris Bueller's Day Off in Spin City is 63. Andre Brower from Brooklyn Nine-Nine is 57 years old today. Fred Schneider of the B-52s, he's 68. Wow. I got me a car, it's as big as a whale, and we're heading on down to the love shack. I got me a Chrysler, and it's about 20, so hurry up and bring your jukebox money. The love shack is a little place where we can get together. You can't be unhappy listening to B-52s. You literally cannot be. Physically impossible. That's right. Talk about macho man. Fred Schneider right there. There's a macho man. I want Fred Schneider to, sit, to record an album of covers where he, he sings famous songs, but only in the way that Fred Schneider sings. It would be so entertaining. That would be wonderful. Like Beatles songs. Like, right. When I find myself in times of trouble, <laughs> Mother Mary comes to me. Let it be. Just, just him, Fred Schneider, doing Fred Schneider to famous songs. Get on that, Fred. Actress Pamela Anderson's 52 years old today. She's got a lot of problems now. She was dating that uh, French soccer player. And then that relationship all blew up, and she's calling him a monster now on social media. And, well, she she specifically goes and picks abusive men, yeah. but she still has a hot bod, and she still gets a belt. Yeah, absolutely. Actor Henry Simons from Marvel's Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. plays Mac, of course, on that show, mm. and he was on NYPD Blue as well. I got he, to know him a little bit on that do show. Do I give him nice a bell? Guy. I cannot recall what he looks like. You, If you knew what he looked like, you would absolutely give him a okay, bell. Okay, I'm going to trust you on that. He is a dreamy African-American man who looks like he lives in a gym. Okay, yeah. He's I'm, I'm going to give him a rock double solid, ding. There we go. 49 years old today. Okay, and he's my age, so that's Actress all good. Actress Liv Tyler is 42 years Another old. Another bell. Yeah, she's lovely. Of course, uh, not, not only a talented actress, well, man, her and that thing you do, still one of my favorite performances. But she, you love that movie. I love that film. If I have to watch that movie one more time, no, it's so I good. can't. No, I can't. It never gets old. Watched it like fifty times. Not enough. I need fifty more at least. Um, but she's also the daughter, of course, of Steven Tyler. That's Harrison. right. Uh, Leah Sado from Spectre, Bond girl. Leah Sado is thirty-four years old today. And one of my all-time crushes, singer Deborah Harry of the band Blondie is 74. When Blondie exploded on the scene, it was the perfect combination of sex appeal and great hooks and great musicians. Blondie's still one of my favorite bands. This is my favorite Blondie of all, uh, song of all time. Okay, let's hear it. Not the, one of their biggest hits, Ah. but do yourself a favor. Listen to this in its entirety. I'm just going to play a little bit here. More than I play of most songs, just because I, okay. I didn't know when to stop. Okay. It's called Dreaming, and the drumming here by Clem Burke, by the way, is insane, and she's sexy as hell. Here's my favorite song by Blondie.
Great. Great um, song. You do, I believe that you know this, but I might also be blowing your mind. I'm looking forward to it either way. Okay. Either one of the guitarists or the drummer from Blondie lives across the street from us in that corner house. Yes. Uh, he is the guitarist, I believe. Okay. Not Chris Stein, the major singer-songwriter who worked with uh, Debbie Harry in the band, but he's the right. other guy. He still looks exactly yes. like his same haircut same and everything. 80s haircut. He drives only. a muscle car. Yep. And for the life of me, I don't understand why you're not hovering around out in front of his house trying to make friends with him. You guys could walk down to the speakeasy. Yeah, I suppose. Have drinks. I should make a more of an effort to stalk him. I guess because you're right. Because you used to stalk, what's uh, his Jeffrey name? Dean Morgan. Jeffrey Dean Morgan, when yeah. he lived behind us. Never, you, never met him. You never closed the deal. Well, I was there. I was doing my part. I he know. just never came out. But I'm just, may I say that I'm surprised that you haven't been over there trying to All right, I will. I will friends. stalk a little Blondie action. I'll, okay. I will get on I that. I mean, it's up to you. No, I will definitely weird somebody out in our neighborhood by could, lingering in front of their home. You could talk to him about cars. And Blondie. And Both that Deborah Harry. come screeching up in your Mustang and be like, hey, dude, we could look race. at my car. Look we could at your race car. race up and down the street here. That'd be fun. Yeah. All right. That's it for today's Celebrity Birthdays. I'm Ralph Garman. I walk the showbiz beat. Hey there. It's Ralph Garman here. I hope you're enjoying the show. And if you are, why not subscribe to The Ralph Report so you can hear it every day, Monday through Friday. For just 15 cents a day, you can be a one-star general supporter and that will get you the show in your ear holes Monday through Friday. Of course, there are two, three, and four-star general levels as well, which gets you more bonus content and more access to me. So if you like what you're hearing, why not subscribe? Go to patreon.com slash the Ralph Report. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash the Ralph Report. Subscribe today so you don't miss a thing. And now it's time for part one of my interview with Kat Cressida. She is a remarkable lady, not only a huge talent, as I mentioned earlier in the show, but what she has been through and how she has bounced back from a, uh, a, a horrible bout with cancer. And then even worse, sometimes what saves you is, is as bad as the illness itself. She went through radiation and tremendous surgery, was left at one point in the story you will hear with a hole in the side of her head from yeah. where they had to take the tumor out. And Trying to be a professional in the entertainment business and dealing with reconstructive surgeries and radiation and all that stuff. It's amazing how she has come out on the other side of this. I'm breaking the interview up into two parts. So part one will be today. Come on back for part two tomorrow. Here is the first part of my conversation with Kat Cressida. Kat Cressida, thank you so much for joining me today. My <laughs> listeners, of course, know you as Dee Dee from Dexter's Laboratory. Disney fans, or my friends who I lovingly call the pass holes, who go regularly <laughs> oh and are often seen at their favorite ride, which is the Haunted Mansion. You are, of course, the, the Black Widow and an actress as well as a voiceover actress. It's such a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. And congratulations, by the way, on the Disney thing. I, if I could touch on that real quickly. You are... How how long had there been before they made an addition to that ride in terms of a voice actor? It had been a long time. Yeah, right? that that uh, is one of the, I think most Disney, I won't call them what you called them, but <laughs> <laughs> I still get my paychecks from the mouse. But um, the annual pass holders well know that uh, the two classic rides are, of course, Pirates of the Caribbean and the Haunted Mansion. Sure. And, uh, and both of them are in the two classic parks in, in America. And they had not touched them. Since 19, well, Pirates went in earlier, but uh, Haunted Mansion officially opened in 1969. Mm -hmm. All the voice recordings were done in 1967 to 68. Fantastic voices like Paul Freese. Yeah, and, uh, sure. I mean, Thurl Ravenscroft, just <laughs> the bomb. And uh, left untouched and fabulous uh, t until 2000, uh, early 2000s, they replaced some stuff in Pirates of the Caribbean right. and put Jack Sparrow in there. And since that was a big success and people didn't, you know, uh, give Riot up in their the streets. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> since since people, were, big fans were okay with the with the changes and upgrades, then they went to the mansion and the attic, which had always been sort of this pass through. You went from the ballroom, which was fabulous, to the graveyard scene, and the attic was always just kind of a big empty. And so they went in and did this whole story with her. So 2006. So she hadn't been updated. For the mansion had been updated for 50 years. And so it was, no, sorry, I'm not, 40 years, 40 years when I did that. So 
huge honor. Yeah, and you're there with uh, some of the greats, as you mentioned. It's kind the of The ones who inspired me to go into voiceover. Really? It's very surreal. Oh, yeah. I mean, I grew up in the parks. My dad worked with Imagineering. and No way. Yeah. How cool. So um, I used to so bring... you're a Disney kid from way back. Oh, my God, yes. I'm trying to see if you have anything... So remember the old tape record? You don't have one amongst your fabulous... My Batman memorabilia here. Uh, yeah. I mean, you could just... You could retire and just have a store. <laughs> but um, remember those little black recorders that yeah, you would sure. carry? Yeah, yeah, I used to sneak those into the park and tape record all of the attractions because I was so in love with the voiceover. That's hilarious. And, of course, they had the, the LPs as well. They used to have the records with all the, the stuff. Yeah, the little, the little read-along yeah, sure. storytelling. And not only does your relationship with Disney stop there, but you've also done some work as uh, Jesse as well from Toy Story for them as well. So been very honored. Whenever, uh, whenever wonderful Joan is not available, I yes. step in to do a bunch of things. So yeah, um, you started <laughs> off as a as an actress, right? Before you got into voiceover, you were just a television, film, that sort of thing. Just a actually. Well, I don't mean just. No, a, I know, I know. I mean, um, I have such I revere voice <laughs> acting so much that I consider you know everyone else just an actor. <laughs> I that's very gracious of you. Um, I actually started out as an agent. Um, no way. Yep. How Went strange. through the whole it is strange. It's bizarre. Usually if it if it goes that way at all, it's the other way around. Right? Totally. Yeah. Um I trained my entire life in uh musical comedy and Shakespeare and had done like I think I was discovered on the playground in second grade and did some modeling for children's catalogs clothing. Hated it, complained that uh that I was bored and I hated it. So that ended my modeling career at age seven. <laughs> and uh and then was really just driven on Shakespeare and musical comedy all through UC Berkeley. And then had a very bizarre existential moment at graduation where I went, I don't think I can hack it as an actor. Wow. So I went into agenting, uh, made it into the William Morris mythological mailroom back when it still was. The path to greatness. Politically incorrect. It was amazing. It was an incredible fraternity sort of uh, culture that I learned so much from. And um, I mean, it's the old fashioned, you know, you're, you're going to fake it until you make it and work 28 hours a day. And wow. I loved it. So, and then after three years of that went, maybe I should go into acting. Maybe I'm not cut out for hmm. the in, insane amount of uh, just momentum that's required to you know, be successful as, as a, you know, one of the big three agencies. Right. So, yeah. So that's what I did. And then when did you get into voice work? Was it uh, early 2000s? In, well, I started taking workshops. Um, do you know that story, how that happened? Because that's bizarre. So I trained in Shakespeare. Right. And back in the 70s, which I know you can relate to, and I was uh, a taught, I fell in love with Zeffirelli's um, Romeo and Juliet and Taming of the Shrew. Do you remember those? Sure, iconic? yeah. And Michael York. Was yes. uh, and also from Logan's Run for a sci-fi fan. And also fans. from the Three Musketeers, exactly. he was D'Artagnan. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I love that you know Our, that. My audience probably knows him <laughs> best as Basil Exposition from the Austin Powers. Exactly. Movies. Exactly. Um, it's it's really. I mean, it's amazing when people have a second, you know, sort of a second wave of their careers where now the younger people identify, and I'm like, no, Zeffirelli, Romeo and Juliet. Anyway. I had worshipped him and the other, you know, young actors that were all part of Zeffirelli's movie troupe. And uh, I ended up playing his inappropriately too young fiance on a pilot for Taylor Leone for Must See TV. Oh, really? And we ended up in a bed set for three days while they were camera blocking her, me and Michael York. And he was the first one who basically said, if you love acting and you love Shakespeare and you love words, maybe you should try voiceover. Hmm. And I was like, oh, really? What's that? Like, I had no idea back then, this was in the mid to late 90s, right. that it was a an actual career, career, career. Now, I, I talk, I've had a bunch of, of voice artists on the show, and it's really the advent of the internet allowed people to really understand what the business is because you can actually find out who does the voices of your favorite yeah, characters. You but it. up until then, it was like this mystery. You know, cartoons and things would just appear and no one really knew who was behind them, except for Mel Blanc and a couple of big names. Exactly. Like yeah. Uh, what was your first gig as a voice artist? Do you remember? First thing well, you I'm going to date myself really oh, feel badly. Free. It was on a CD-ROM game. Really? Remember CD-ROM games sure, that were yeah. for two seconds? Um, I played a fierce air, uh, like a Navy 
pilot, kind of a badass um, for the <laughs> Navy and a pilot, which is weird. But that that was the very first gig. And I didn't know what I was doing, but it was fine because everybody was sort of still figuring out the technology of voiceover. Right. Yeah. And then the second one was voice matching Princess Leia wow. for LucasArts. Um, and that was amazing. And uh, the third one was uh, Didi uh, taking on that for Cartoon Network when it got picked up as a series. Hmm. And then after that was Jesse the Cowgirl uh, for parades and Disney on Ice and things like wow. that. And then and then from so it kind of went from this weird backward big stuff, you know, really cool, not big, big, but you know, yeah, but in the animation roles. world, yeah, yeah, really cool stuff. And then started working my way into the McDonald's commercials and and got really lucky with ESPN very early on and started doing stuff for the NFL and for some of their big shows back in like early 2000s, like right. 2001, 2002. So that's kind of the beginning of it. But it was a slow start. I, I always, when I'm lucky enough to go around to UC schools or to colleges and talk about how you break into the biz, I always say it's count on three to five years of heartbreak before you really start mm-hmm. rolling with it. Um, and really only, you know, people who came from radio can sort of make an immediate transition into booking usually. Right. Or so, you know. Yeah. Or Tom Hanks. I'm still waiting for that transition to happen. You but, can yeah. have it if you wanted it. No, I've been lucky. I, I've worked <laughs> on some stuff. But uh, folks like yourself who are the real deal are always impressive to me. That's very sweet of you. Um, let's flash forward then to 2012. Okay. And you're in the booth, right? And you sense something's not right with your mouth, which being a voiceover artist would be a concern to anybody. Hell, if you're not a voiceover artist, it'd be a concern to you. Yeah. And what was what was the first sign that something was wrong? Um, it's a very good question, uh, and thank you for being the first one to actually ask that question. So it was it was uh, actually my jaw. I felt it sort of right here. Um, when you do, sorry, I touched no, the big ball. Feel ball. free. Um, she means the microphone. The by microphone. The way, <laughs> um, when you do voice matching, uh, which is voice doubling, mm-hmm. uh, for any of the you know, celebrities, I was lucky enough to voice match. You're, you're twisting and moving your jaw and your lips in all crazy formations. For example, for Jesse, I, I look like this. Right. I surely had, you know, to get all of her fabulous isms. So, um, I was just manipulating my jaw on one of the matches and just, there was a slight catch. There was something that was just a little bit off. Hmm. And the first like 20 times I went, huh. It must be a tooth or it must be a something. And then started to ask the questions and it was just continuously. This is bef- way before 2012, you know, just right. sort of leading up to. And, um, but I knew, I knew that I felt something and it seemed like it was getting increasingly more something. And, um, and it wasn't painful and it wasn't, uh, scary looking on the outside, but I could tell internally to the jaw and the mouth area that something not good was going on. And that was sort of the first sign. I would say 2009 or 10 was when I first started asking innocently, can you take a look at this? And um, unfortunately, it just continuously got treated as, oh, it's just a cyst or don't worry about it. You actors of such, I remember one, you actors of such vivid imaginations, Mm. you know, just really not... Um, and unfortunately, all all male, all males. I, I wonder, looking back, uh, it may have just been coincidence, but I wonder if if you know maybe there may have been a, a different lens on it had it been a female mm-hmm. who wouldn't blow it off as you're just being a bit dramatic. Right. But in 2012 was when it had gotten. It was right around fourth. It was right around this time, fourth mm. of July, right before fourth of July, where I finally sort of put my foot down and said, "This is starting to get scary for me." It's it's continuously there, and I hope it's just my imagination. That would be the best news in the world. But I'd like an MRI. Yeah, it has to be dealt with. And I and I had to kind of nudge for it. I had to push my doctors to order the MRI, which Crazy. is yeah. Um, and then you get the worst possible news, which is it's cancer, and it, it's in an area of the body, if I'm not mistaken, that isn't usually. You don't usually find cancer there, right? It was it was unusual. Very, very unusual. And unfortunately, I mean, thank you. You're doing a great job of, of pulling the story. It it didn't 
it wasn't diagnosed as cancer immediately. That was the unfortunate part. And one of the bigger parts of my journey that, that is really important for me to share with other people mm-hmm. is that um, after the initial several tests, it kept coming back as either uh, unquantifiable, can't quite, you know, categorize everything in the world. Um, it wasn't coming back as benign. It was just coming back as we can't identify it. Mm. And most, again, of the specialists, and we're talking people with several degrees behind them, in place of your fabulous Batman paraphernalia, <laughs> it was degrees from the top, top medical schools and, you know, board of directors, all kind of, again, saying, well, I wouldn't worry about it. One said, if I were a betting man, I'd put all my money in Vegas that this is nothing. And It's easy to say when it's not growing inside your <laughs> yeah, mouth. right? It's, you know, and, and the truth is I wasn't, you know, particularly, I wouldn't have called myself dumb or ignorant or uneducated, mm-hmm. lucky to have a degree and lucky to have had plenty of experience at that point, but still very naive the way all of us are until we're faced with something personally. And tragically, we're all sort of schooled to just listen to whatever the doctors Trust. say and say, well, they know more than I do. So who am I to question or ask for a second opinion or demand tests that exactly. may be necessary? We just all like sheep go along and you have to be responsible for your own health at the end of the day, right? So yeah. and that's what you ended up having to do. Take it into your own hands. You say that so well. And and unfortunately, on top of that, it wasn't just me projecting a tremendous amount of faith and authority on them. It was also them being I faced a lot of, I hate to say it, arrogance, mm. a lot of an attitude of I'm the person in the white coat. I'm the one with all these degrees. Right. It, it had anybody, um, I mean, again, I was I was scared and sort of open hearted in a sense when you're when you're in a doctor's office. I think everybody can relate to this. You're more vulnerable. Sure. The smells, the feelings, the whiteness of it all. You know, you just sort of naturally get a little bit of fear and you are your guard is a little bit down. Mm -hmm. Your defenses are up and your guard is down is both what you're feeling. And because of that, um, I was more susceptible to just believing everything that was going on. But then there's that little gnawing question that hopefully we all sort of listen to if we, if we need to, which was saying, it just, I mean, this doesn't feel right. If it's all okay, why does it not feel at all? Okay. Right. Yeah. And there's an assumption with doctors that they have your best interest at heart and they're doing everything they can. And and the simple case is it's a business and they're trying to do the best they can with the patients they have in the time they have allotted. So a lot of stuff can fall through the cracks. At what point were you diagnosed with the cancer and did they decide something needed to be done? When did that realization happen? So in, in right after... Uh, a battery of tests after 4th of July, 2012. So Mm -hmm. again, exactly right right around this time. Um, so, um, and it went, it literally was night and day. It went from, uh, it it was in fact the huge specialist in, uh, neck and throat, uh, abnormalities or cancers or whatnot. Mm -hmm. I mean, very, very high end, high paid specialist. Uh, in Westwood, who was the one who made the crack if I were a betting man, you know. And it was me insisting on an external biopsy. And I don't want to get too graphic with everybody, but there's there's a gentle way to do a biopsy. And then there's the more just, okay, we're just going <laughs> to take it. Mm-hmm. And um, and the gentle ones weren't, weren't getting us anywhere. And it was me who insisted, just carve it, you know, let's, mm-hmm. let's really find out what it is. Right. And he was sort of fighting it and rolling his eyes and made that crack. And it went from that to about a week later, getting an urgent call from the front office saying the doctor would like to see you. And you know, that's not good when it's not going to be, you know, over the phone right. when it's, you have to come in. And I said, can you, can you tell me anything? And she said, I'm sorry, ma'am, we need to bring you in. And you know, and then I wanted to come in right away. It was of course. Like, and then and then you get the well, he can see you end of day tomorrow, and mm-hmm. you're you're thinking. And I'm sure a lot of people. I hope not, but I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that awful feeling of great. Now I have to wait 36 hours, and um, and that's that's what I walked in. I had to wait in the waiting room with uh, 
all the patients, they, they double and triple book a lot of these doctors just to keep their schedules full, which is mm-hmm. another thing that I will be speaking about. And you sit there for about an hour and 15 minutes and then you're escorted in and then you wait by yourself in a big scary room. And then finally the doctor came in, the same one who'd been a, a comedian two weeks before and said, this is serious. You need to get this operated on right away. It can be fatal. I mean, literally, like this is wow. coming at me. And best case scenario is we'll be able, hopefully, maybe to salvage your voice. But I don't know yet if it's brief. I mean, this is all being delivered almost as if um, I think we are going to have to move to another neighborhood, honey. Mm-hmm. You know, the the trash situation. is. It was just sort of calm and quiet and serious. And again, the same person who'd been joking around about, you know, and, and rolling his eyes. And as I state, you know, in sort of this, the story that's gone out on various forms of media, I would probably qualify what followed next as hysteria. Mm, I mean, of literally lost it. Tune in tomorrow for part two of my interview with Kat Cressida and hear about how she dealt with the diagnosis of having cancer and the treatment and what she went through and the way she battled back after her life and career were threatened with this awful disease will inspire you, I promise. So make sure you come back for tomorrow's chapter two of that interview. And of course, also, I will be uh, releasing the entire interview to you, two, three, and four-star generals later on this week. Great. That's it for today's show. Tomorrow, it is a brand new show for a Tuesday. Tuesday, of course, around here means TV Tunes Tuesday. We'll take a listen and uh, take a, a little... Deep dive into the history of one of your favorite TV theme songs. Ooh, that sounds exciting. All the usual nonsense as well. Carrie will be joining me again. How I'll much be fun back. to have this many Carrie shows in a row. So fun. Thanks so much for doing this. You're welcome. You. Oh, sorry. I thought talking to you. I don't know who you were talking I'm like, to. I'm looking right at you. Sorry. Thank you for doing this. The you're people so love you welcome. when you're on the show. And we will talk to you tomorrow. Come on back. Love you. Mean it. Bye. Bye.